The Anchor Podcast is part of the Vanderbilt Sports Network, a partnership between Vanderbilt Athletics and Learfield. Listen to audio broadcast of Commodore football, men's and women's basketball, and baseball all season across our network. Affiliates can be found on VUCommodores.com under the Fans tab, or you can stream for free by downloading the VU Commodores app. Here comes a pitch. Swing and a miss! Strike three! It's Omaha for Vanderbilt! Cutler takes the snap, fires the slant, pass caught for a touchdown! We have a chance to do it right. I'm determined to do that. I know that good things are in store. Right over Stanford for a two-run shot. Dominic Keegan goes deep. Pierce with a tremendous catch. Hit well down the left field line. Back to the corner, to the wall, to the house! That ball is gone! That ball is gone! John Norwood! Oh my goodness! Shotgun snap to Mike Way. He fakes the pitch. Keeps at the 25-30. Breaks great. He's got space at the 50. By himself to the 35-30. One man to beat at the 10. And he's dragged down near sideline. Mike Way fakes the pitch and explodes down the near sideline. What a run. 69 yards for the quarterback, Mike Wright. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Anchor Podcast. Andrew Allegretic here with Kevin Ingram. Coming up on today's show, we start to talk about basketball, which is next week of all things. Basketball is next week, Tuesday and Wednesday, women's basketball, men's basketball. So we've got a basketball preview here on this episode of the Anchor with head coach G. Ralph of the women's basketball team. Uh, plus, we'll talk a little bit of football with the team being on a bye. We'll try to take some 30,000-foot looks at the football team but Kev I want to start as we sit here recording this congratulations yesterday as we're recording this to Dansby Swanson and Kyle Wright World Series champions at the professional level now with the Atlanta Braves. Oh, it was awesome to watch uh, watch the game uh, six last night. Both those guys are key factors in the Braves' run to the World Championship. I mean, yeah, we'll start with Kyle Wright. I mean, here's a guy who spent a lot of the season in the minors. He wasn't really a major factor on the major league roster throughout the season. He pitched some of the biggest innings in the World Series against Houston. And you go back to uh, certainly one of the games in Atlanta where starter gets in trouble early. Kyle Wright came in. And bailed him out and he ended up winning that game he pitched four and two-thirds innings in either uh, game three or game four uh, but Dansby his story is so cool because he is an Atlanta guy he you know, is from just north of Atlanta around Marietta um, he was he's talked a lot about how he's a fan of all the teams whether it's the Braves or Falcons or Hawks or whatever and uh he had a great series. He had really had a nice postseason. At one streak, he had, at one point, he had a seven-game hit streak uh, through the postseason games uh, against the Dodgers, and then on into the World Series. Uh, but you know, he hit some key home runs. Hit a big one uh, in Game Six. Uh, hit a huge one that tied the game uh, a couple games before that in Atlanta. So you just felt so great for those guys. It was so cool, and it made me think back to the time when they were here. Both had terrific careers here. Of course, uh, Kyle Wright was you know, a high draft pick, and so was Dansby. Dansby started his career out in Arizona. He gets traded back to his hometown team. A few years later, he's holding up the World Series trophy. In fact, he actually helped record the final out. He fielded the ground ball. Of course, fundamentally, he looks at second, throws to first, and, uh, and that's it. Atlanta it was perfect. Yeah, yeah, of course it was, but you know, Atlanta wins the World Series. But to me, it was also interesting to hear in some of his comments and interviews that he did some things that are very, that are very much staples of this Vanderbilt baseball program you know talking about the compete level and, and, and different elements of, of things that went into winning the championship so I uh, won a college world series here and, and it's won a world series in the big leagues it, it's super cool I think he made the final out of the LCS too right I believe you're right. All right, yeah. so the yeah. 27th out of both the NLCS and the World Series goes to Dansby Swanson. Um, give me some of your favorite on-field Dansby moments uh, from when he was playing here. Obviously, he's got some of those fantastic moments out in Omaha that you can uh, choose from, uh, but I'm curious your take on some of your favorite on-field moments for Dansby when he was here. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, uh, more than at the plate is in the field. Uh, some of the plays he made in the postseason – 
or he, he goes back in the hole and makes the jump throw. There, there are a couple of those that stand out to me. Those are the things. But, I mean, you, you could always tell even from, you know, at a younger age when he's playing here, it's like there's something special about the guy. Just, you know, you talk about guys that have the it factor. He always had the it factor, whether it's here or now playing in the major leagues. I mean, my goodness, his defense is so much fun to watch. Uh-huh. Even just throwing the baseball, like the most fundamental thing possible. Like how on target is Dansby Swanson? Like 100% of the time. I don't have his statistics. I'm sure he's got a couple of throwing errors in there, but he makes that look so crisp and clean, and it's fun to watch Dansby uh, play defense, like you said. And it's and it's always been that way. Uh, he's always been a terrific fielder and outstanding at the plate. And uh, I was talking about Kyle Wright. It was in game four uh, where he pitched four and two-thirds innings and really bailed him out again after their starter mm-hmm. league got into trouble. But, yeah, I mean, both those guys are, were fantastic players here. And uh, I was reading an interview the other day. I, it might have been in the Tennessean, and it was talking about – it was a, a quote from Tim Corbin talking about when Dansby was actually snubbed for first team all conference in the SEC. And I believe it was Alex Bregman was the one that got the nod at shortstop that year. And then the, how much of a, you know, the, he might not come out and say it, but that was a motivating factor. And, and, and I think everybody kind of recognized that. But yeah, just so happy for those guys. I mean, what an experience. And, and really for a team in the Braves that was. They were in trouble in the middle of the season. I mean, Ronald Acuna, I was watching the game on that Sunday afternoon when he blew out his knee in Miami. And you thought, okay, is the season circling the drain here? And, you know, they get to the all-star break, and they're a game under 500. They didn't give up on the season. They made some deals, added some key parts, and they they got hot down the stretch and uh, just played fantastic in the postseason, especially at home. They only lost one home game. That was game five of the World Series. But, man, what a great season. And to win a World Series for your hometown team, i got to think that's pretty special for Dansby Swanson. Uh, and I have to give the shout-out uh, just because he's my guy and I worked with him for two years. And I don't know all of the recruiting stories with Dansby, so I'm not giving any one person more credit than is necessary. But, of course, Travis Jewett mm-hmm. was always significant in the recruiting process here at Vanderbilt. Uh, he's pulled any number of guys out of that East Cobb program that is down there just outside of Atlanta, which is where Dansby comes from. So, uh, whatever credit Travis Jewett deserves for helping Dansby Swanson get to Vanderbilt, because Trav is my guy, uh, <laughs> I'm going to give him that due at this particular moment in time. Um, let's talk basketball. Uh, give me your thoughts now that we're inside seven days to go until tip-off for both men's and women's. The women's team tips off on the 9th. The men's team tips off on the 10th. Um, as far as the men's team, they played a couple of uh, double secret scrimmages. We know who they played. And we That's know, right. We know what That's the right. outcomes were. What I'm, scrimmages? I'm, I'm not exactly. Yeah. What scrimmages do you speak of? You mean uh, that the one where one of the head coaches talked about it publicly and it's posted all over Twitter? One of those <laughs> scrimmages that we don't know about. Right. That nobody knows about, but yet that everybody has stats from or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> By all accounts, Vanderbilt played really well in both of those. Uh, one was out of town. One was here. One was on Saturday. Um, <laughs> what I may have seen. What scrimmages? <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, anyway, by all accounts, they played well in both of those. Uh, to me, it was really encouraging, the, the fact that, that those went well. Um, those were against good programs. And so uh, I, I think that's that's good to hear. Um, I guess the one thing I really wonder is about the inside presence for Vanderbilt. Um, of course, you have Liam Robbins, who's the transfer, the grad transfer from Minnesota, who's a very good player in the Big Ten. Uh, he's been out. Just They've been working him back slowly from an injury. Uh, supposed to be back more full speed here in the next week or two. You, you figure, okay, it's going to take him a little bit probably before he's ready to play full speed in a game versus ready to go and, and do some practice work. But if he can come back and be like he was in the Big Ten, it would be a huge lift for this team. A guy who can throw the ball to, he can score down low, he can step out and make a shot. He certainly can affect things on the defensive end. But in the meantime, uh, can Quentin Melora Brown be, be and a couple other guys being an inside presence that can uh, get the job done down low? I feel really good about some of the guard spots. I think Rodney Chapman's a guy people are going to really like, uh, the grad transfer from Dayton. 
And you think about him, he's played in a winning program. I mean, he's played on good teams. He's an experienced guy. Uh, Tim Thompson and I were out of practice. We talked to Stack about him a little bit the other day. And he, yeah, I think those are there's some of the uh, uh, elements of, of Chapman that he really likes. And, and we'll give you some flexibility on how you play Scottie Pippen Jr. So, yeah, I, I think it's an exciting season coming up. And looking forward to seeing him get started. Uh, Alabama State will be the first night opponent. Uh, it's interesting. They're going to play actually at Western Kentucky on Tuesday night and then come here and play on Wednesday night. So they'll play games in back-to-back days. Um, and then Vanderbilt will play uh, Texas State after Alabama State to start the season. For the women's team, I, I think Shay Ralph is uh, trying to figure out what she has. Um, it's a team that has some experienced players. It also has some players that have been here quite a while but haven't necessarily played a ton. And then you have some new faces, too, to mix in. So uh, we'll see how things go in year one for Shay. I know we're, we're uh, wishing her certainly well and uh, comes from a, a lot of winning in her background. And uh, just looking forward to seeing both step out there and play games account under the lights. You see how people perform and uh, maybe things are, are different than what you expect going in. So uh, looking forward to the season starting. Yeah, I'm curious to see how the women's basketball program comes together. Look, it's going to be, uh, it certainly feels like it's going to be a building process. Um, and I'll defer to Coach Ralph because, of course, she's uh, the interview here today. So that's coming up shortly. But I like the fact that there's some lineage here from coach mm-hmm. ralph and her success uh to her husband who's on the staff who used to coach here you've got ashley early on the staff who is just a fantastic player here and of course mm-hmm. it runs right through to candace uh, and her time as a women's basketball player here so there's some lineage there's a direction there's a feeling within that program which is fun to see uh as it takes off uh moving forward um there's another former player christina Fogey, yes, who's correct. part of the program chief uh, of staff or general yeah, manager yeah, one yeah. of the two mm-hmm. And uh, enjoyed speaking with her. Uh, we we did an event last week uh, up in the office. It was a Zoom event with season ticket holders, and had a chance to talk to Christina for a few minutes up there. So yeah, it's a really fun staff and a good group. And yeah, you mentioned Tom Garrick, uh, Shay's husband. He's he's done a lot of stuff in basketball, whether it's playing pro or you know being a head coach. I mean, he he has lots and lots of experience, and I, I think all that will really serve him well. But I've I've enjoyed getting uh, to know Shay a little bit better in, in some of the events that we've done and. Uh, It'll, it'll be cool to see him out on the floor. All right, so for people that missed it, we talked with Coach Stackhouse for the Commodore Hour back on Monday, so you mm-hmm. can always go back through the archives and check that out. But if, of all of the things that we touched on there, anything in particular uh, stand out to you that really grabbed your attention during our conversation with Stackhouse earlier this week? Yeah, I think it was you and Stack talking about how he might be able to go back and retroactively yeah, get, retroactive. A, get, an, get an NIL deal right. from his uh, playing days yeah. in North Carolina. Yeah, there was some jerseys <laughs> hanging up in Chapel Hill. Yeah, there were definitely some some 42 jerseys hanging around back <laughs> in the day he was a fantastic player uh i i just really enjoyed I, i've enjoyed getting to know him over the last couple of years but yeah i think just talking to him about how the process this year has been a little bit different for this team certainly from last year where you didn't know if you're going to have a season you didn't know from game to game whether people were going to be out or if you're going to have a game if you're going to play the opponent you're preparing for it was such a strange season last year i think the feeling of normalcy certainly helps uh, that, okay, guys have had an offseason where they go through their normal workouts, and you can look at these guys and tell that, it, that it's been more that way. A couple of players really come to mind, Jordan Wright and Miles Studi. Like, th- their bodies look different than they did last year and, and look certainly ready to play an SEC season. I thought it was funny Stack was talking about how uh, guys guys are going around with no shirts on, you know, because they've, they've done the workouts and they got the six packs. Yeah, and they want to show it off. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, I, I always say, hey, you know what, if I looked like that, I probably wouldn't wear, yeah. wear a shirt a whole lot either. But uh, uh, If you can score 50 points in a ball game, you score 50 points in a ball exactly game. Exactly right. Whether that's uh, an individual <laughs> hoops, whether that's a football yeah. team putting up a 50 spot, yeah, if you can do it do it go ahead and do it that's exactly <laughs> right but yeah i i think just his excitement and enthusiasm for the season that's coming up i i think stood out to me all right so once again men's basketball tips off on the 10th women's basketball tips off on the 9th as always you can listen to those games across the vanderbilt sports network uh from learfield uh kevin will have the call as always on our affiliates plus the vu commodores app and then for a decent chunk of the hoop season certainly not all of the games without getting into all of that fun spiel um i will have the call for a handful of the sec network plus broadcasts both men's and women's so i'm looking You're forward have a busy to that. week next week dude 
Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what, two basketball games and a football game? Can we get a uh, maybe a baseball scrimmage or something I know. going over hey, here? Brooks. And maybe throw in a soccer match that's for right. me if we could? Yeah, that's right. We've got the Commodore Hour on Monday. Don't forget, We Kevin. do have the Commodore right. Hour So on Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, Thursday is... Is there anything Thursday? Oh, I'm sure we'll think about uh, that. Something's going to come up. <laughs> uh, which transitions us into Saturday, which is the football game against Kentucky. Um, that is a blackout game. If you haven't seen it, go check out the jerseys that they're going to wear for that game and wear your black for Vandy versus Kentucky. Again, I believe it's a 6 p.m. kickoff inside Vanderbilt Stadium. So our, our coverage across the Vanderbilt Sports Network from Learfield starts at 4.30. Uh, rather than get into the Kentucky game in particular, uh, um, there is some intrigue there just because of the way that Kentucky got throttled by Mississippi State mm-hmm. uh, fairly recently. And Kentucky plays Tennessee this weekend as well. So right. the state that the Wildcats are in once they get here could be interesting. Uh, but in lieu of doing that, let's do some 30,000 foot. Um, I want to know from you a player that has interested you and grabbed your attention on both offense and defense uh, throughout the course of nine games so far. Uh, if you ask me on defense, gosh, I mean, you, you can you can go up and down the list. Uh, Jalen Mahoney's really had a nice season. Uh, 45 tackles, couple sacks, couple interceptions, uh, four tackles for loss. The, the linebackers to me have had had nice seasons. Anthony Orgini and uh, Ethan Barr, uh, they've combined for 135 tackles and and I think 10 total for loss. So th- those guys have done a good job. It, it, on defense, it's more about as a group, how are you performing? You know, how is this group growing? Uh, we've, the interceptions, to me, have kind of been the story on defense. Uh, on offense, I really like the way the freshman Patrick Smith has, has ran the football. Well, he's gotten opportunities uh, due to injury, and certainly there have been injuries at that position. Uh, you know, you started this the season with Ray Davis thinking that he was going to be the guy, and unfortunately uh, uh, got injured and, and had to have surgery and, and missed the rest of the season. And Rocco Griffin's been out for a, a little stretch here, but uh, it's been fun to see Patrick when he's had those opportunities run the football, catch a pass here and there. It looks like a dynamic player that Vanderbilt's going to really enjoy having for the next couple of seasons. I think one thing we've talked about with Patrick is how can you build on your performances? Mm-hmm. Has a nice game against Florida. Then it gets a little bit trickier. They go back to Rocco Griffin. Rocco Griffin not available for the most recent game. So Patrick steps up and has a nice performance against Missouri. How can you build on those things? And I think the guy that would grab my attention is the definition of that. And that's Will Shepard throughout mm-hmm. the course of the season. Right. He has had some dynamic games. Of course, South Carolina comes to mind with multiple 50-yard receptions and just really stood out in that ball game and impacted it in such a positive way. But guess what? People know Will Shepard now. So what are they doing? They're doubling or they're bracketing. They're making life for Will Shepard more difficult. So how can Will uh, grow in his role and be more consistent, uh, continue to get open? And I recognize some of this is a challenge because you know, look, there is a change in style from Ken Seals to Mike Wright. They're different versions of a quarterback, so expecting the same thing 100% of the time from Will Shepard, maybe not 100% fair, right? He's not going to be the 15-catch-a-game guy with Mike Wright versus Ken Seals. However, obviously he can continue to do things better and make a bigger impact on a consistent basis because he does have that skill set. Um I do think you've kind of touched on the things that would come to mind first. I think Ethan Barr, for me, uh, was the person that jumped to my mind right away. Um, The only other thing that I would add defensively is if there's been kind of this one undercurrent that doesn't get talked about a ton that I think has been a positive force on the defense, um, Davian Davis has how many pass breakups? like uh, six right yeah he has six does he lead the team in pass breakups if not he's, he does yeah, yeah. He, so he, you're, he has twice as many as the next closest person okay great so one of your defensive linemen has doubled the amount of pass breakups um do we wish that davian davis had more sacks or tackle for losses or whatever he's still like top five or top six on the yeah, team two, in tackles, and, two right? and a half for loss and one and a half for okay. sacks and yeah he's top 10 in, in tackles right so he's been a factor from a tackle standpoint he's gotten pressure uh, and the fact that he's kind of understood his skill set, understood his game to impact games by simply putting his hands up um, has been really interesting mm-hmm. to me. Does that win ball games? No, but it's 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 the pieces coming together and the fact that Davian has that in his arsenal um, has been has been great. I mean, I just remember thinking back to the Mississippi State game 
and it didn't go the way, obviously, even close that Vandy wanted it to. But Clark Lee talks about it's all 11 guys being committed to stopping this particular version of an offense, and that means the defensive linemen have to get their hands up and knock down the short passes. He did that, uh, and he's done that a handful of times throughout the course of the season. So that is someone that... As more has been placed on his shoulders throughout the course of the year, right? He he spoke at SEC Media Day. So if you're talking about guys that assume responsibilities, um, he has stepped into his role. I think for the most part, to the best of his ability. Um, so those would be the two things that grab my attention: offense and defense for this team. Yeah, he and uh, Elijah McAllister are the captains, uh, both on that side of the football. And Elijah usually calls a toss uh, you know, when we're on the road. <laughs> <laughs> I asked Avion about that. It's like, hey, man, does he ever let you call the toss? Like, nope, I'll leave that to him. <laughs> uh, I, there's some guys in the secondary that stood out. Uh, I, I like the play of Deshaun Jerkins. I, he's sure. had a nice season, had three interceptions. Uh, we've seen fumble recovery, too. Uh, it, it was interesting to talk to Jesse Mentor, the defensive coordinator, uh, about Jerkins and just his preparation. Said, yeah, he kind of has his own way of going about things, but he's really grown in that area and, and understanding like the, the concept of the defense and where he needs to be and all those things. And we've seen it pay off on the field. Yeah, there's no doubt that the strongest growth throughout the course of the season has been the secondary with their interceptions. That clearly mm-hmm. has been the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have the stat in front of me uh, verbatim, uh, verbatim, but I think it's like the first maybe four games or five games. Fandy's defense had one interception, and since then, they have 10. Like, they, they, they turned a corner. Uh-huh. Uh, I do think part of that is um, Jesse Minter and Clark Lee have made a conscious effort to be, uh, as they talked about, disruptive by design, meaning yeah. they're going to blitz more. So the fact that they've blitzed more with Ethan, with Anthony, with whoever, has rattled quarterbacks and provided the secondary with the yeah. opportunities, but they've taken them. Yeah. Uh, and that's clearly been a major growth point. Yeah, and I, I think the South Carolina game was an illustration of that. It's funny how pressure and turnovers go hand in hand. We saw it in that game. They got a lot of pressure on the quarterback throughout the day couple interceptions, couple fumble recoveries, and right there on the doorstep with a chance to win the game. And this is not to gloss over some of the problems. Obviously, far too many chunk plays on the defensive side, uh, far too much inconsistency on the offensive side. I don't think anybody inside those football offices would sit there and say everything's where they want it to be. That would be a ridiculous assertion. Uh, But, again, we've always talked about this football team by design establishing itself as a program that gets better on a regular basis throughout the course of the season and I'm not going to overlook those things at the sake of just focusing on the things that didn't go right. Um, All right, let's turn it over to our conversation with head coach Shay Ralph. She breaks down the season again. Women's basketball tips off November 9th. Game one for head coach Shay Ralph here at Vanderbilt. Coach, first off, thank you so much for talking with us inside a week now for the season tip-off for you guys. Um, let's go real basic. What excites you about this group right now? And right now, what are you really pushing them forward with? Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, I always like talking about sports and our team, and it's been a great few months here already. We are getting better. That excites me. We are getting better every day. I can see the improvement, not only individually in our players, but as a team. Um, and I think for me, what I would like to continue to push them to do is, is just compete at a high level. So with there are ebbs and flows to our competitive spirit sometimes in practice. And obviously, as a coach, that's concerning because um, we know you go out on the floor no matter who you're up against. Um, and this has been in my career as a basketball player and a coach. As long as you go out there and you compete to the highest level possible that you yourself along with your team can compete at you you're always going to give yourself a chance so just trying to get our team to understand that even when it feels like it's impossible when we've dug ourselves a little bit of a hole to keep fighting keep staying together fight together through the adversity don't turn on each other don't turn on on yourself um that that we'll always be able to to win not maybe in the win column, right? Sure. But that's a win. That's a win. If you can grow as a team like that and you, and you won't lose the game, you'll get beat maybe. Um, and then that's how you can figure out how to be better for the next time. But my, my overarching theme for this team is just to be highly competitive every single day that we get on the basketball court as a group. So I want to introduce fans to this roster, let them get to know the story of the girls. Give fans a sense on exactly how new this roster is compared to, obviously, last season was 
what it was with a shortened season right. for them. Um, but over the past couple of years, how new is this roster? I mean, it's almost fully new. Yeah. When you think about the freshman class that we have in, there's five new freshmen. When you think about all of the injuries that the veterans and returning players have sustained, there isn't anyone that played a, a true role, um, save maybe Brene and Jordan a little bit, um, in a couple of years. Uh, all of the scoring, for the most part, left. Most of the players that are returning either came off the bench or didn't play at all. Um, so I think it's a, it's, it's a great opportunity for us to lay a brand-new culture and foundation and really clean slate because it really is a clean slate. But it's also, um, you know, that's also a highly – a pressure environment yeah. <laughs> for the players that are coming in. There's a lot expected of them that has never been expected of them before, both on and off the floor from a brand new staff. So, you know, there's a lot going on in their minds, and, and we know that. So every day for us is just attacking that day and, and seizing that day and try to trying to get better. Yeah, for sure. You know, we talk about this all of the time, and we have specifically with Clark and football and the way that he's growing that program, not in a negative sense, but can you give us an example of, um, maybe a step forward or two steps forward that you're asking this group to do that maybe has been new for them? Yeah, um, I think I think even when you look at our summer conditioning and, and um, we didn't even address the fact that COVID sure. came in and, and one, our team was one of three, I believe, in women's basketball, um, Division One that opted out. Yeah, I know Duke was another. I can't, was yeah. Virginia the third maybe? Virginia was the yeah. third, right. So there were, there were three. We were one of them. So pretty much they stopped playing in January. Some kids went home. Some were hurt, like I said. So when we got here in April, May, the, the players came back in June, we had to do a whole return to play protocol. So it was like four or five weeks before we could fully work them out hmm. because you have to try to avoid catastrophic injury. And that's a sports medical, that's a whole side of sure. of sports that you know we don't really have an effect on it as, in terms of coaches. I believed in it, but it took a long time sure. to get there. And so we only get eight weeks with them in the summer. And so then you have three more weeks. And that was really us getting to know our players, teaching them about um, our expectation level, our standards, and the, and the program that we're creating here, and and giving them an opportunity to buy into that. Um, so step forward for me is is when I see that every day for my players now that they're bought in, that they're looking at me, that they're listening, that they're executing the things that I say to them, that I can tell them to do something and then they go out there and do it, that we talk to them about effort and we see a change, hmm. right? So to me, that means that we're a unit and we're cohesive. Those are big steps forward because I need them to, to listen to our staff, to me, to get better every single day. I need to be able to be in a huddle, <laughs> tell them what we're going to do and know that they're going to go do it. And that's really important. But I think people take that for granted. You know, that doesn't happen all the time for a lot of different reasons, yeah. but it's really, really important, especially when you, when you have a team like we have, and I don't think it's any secret that, you know, we're not the biggest team and we play in the, in the toughest conference in college women's basketball. So we have to be very disciplined and very competitive. You know, you and I have had this conversation too, I guess a couple of weeks, maybe a month or so ago when you came on our radio show and we talked about the Pittsburgh time for you. Right. It's not just here's coach Jay Ralph. She's come from UConn and everything's going to be this wonderful transition. It's you learned the bumps, the growth along the way from the Pittsburgh days. Yeah. Right. Can you explain that some? Yeah. That's so valuable. Um, that experience for me overall as a coach, but especially in this job right now, um, it's just understanding that it's uh, that it's a journey <laughs> that yeah. it's not going to happen overnight making sure that our players know that it's not going to happen overnight and that we don't expect it to but we expect it to be better yeah. than it was the day before um, and that it's it's part of you know what what we're doing and that's pretty much life like we can all always mirror what we're doing in sports to life like you just put deposits in every day it's relationships it's at your job you go and you do a great job that day and that moves you closer to the goal that you have you go and you spend time with your family and, and that's valuable time that lets them know that they, that you care about them um, and, and builds that trust and relationships that is so important. So I think that's what we're doing every day. You know, we're just putting deposits in and yeah. understanding that tomorrow, you know, I'm not expecting them to go play and win a game in the final four. <laughs> um, that is the overall goal for our program, but we have to take those steps every day to get there and we can't skip any of them even though it's tempting even though you want to yes you have to be disciplined enough to continue to put those small deposits in every day and understand that 
all that will be there when it's time to withdraw. Yeah, there's a lots of steps on the ladder for a reason. <laughs> um, let's talk basketball for yes. a second. Let's talk as much as we can, uh, philosophical desires, where you want to go with the style of play for this team. Um, I know it's on the record that Shea Ralph wants to play up-tempo basketball. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Mm, I, I mean, that that's my vision for our program is up-tempo basketball and playing a style of basketball that's hard to defend um, where, you know, high scoring and, and going up and down the floor is fun to watch. I think it's going to be interesting to see what works for this team. Some of that will work, some of it won't. And we've already seen that um, in our practices and game simulations. We aren't going to be able to play like that with every team. And we're smart enough to know that. So we have to, we have to be able to adjust when it's time to adjust and make sure that we're putting ourselves in the best position on the basketball court um, to be competitive in the game. And that we're also trying to make sure that whatever the other team is, is really good at that we're making it a little bit more difficult for them so if we're playing a team that just scores in transition probably not going to try to run up and down the floor with them as much right. <laughs> um and that's just coaching that's yes. just us trying yeah. to make sure that uh, we do a good job game planning but i would like to give our players and even this team some semblance of uh freedom on the offensive side of things to make reads and react that's extremely hard to defend it's extremely hard to scout but at the same time, they need to be able to get a shot when we need a shot. It needs to be exactly the shot that we need. Right. So there's a balance, and we're working on that balance every day. I do like scoring. I think it's fun to watch. Uh, so it's not <laughs> – I always think about my brain up-tempo goes like Duger Bauckham when he was coaching. Yeah. I think at like <laughs> – I don't know if he's at the Citadel now or was or he was at VMI. Yeah. His whole up-tempo thing was, okay, you're going to sprint down the floor. You've got two choices, a three-pointer or a layup, and you're going to do it in five seconds. Yeah. We're not talking about that no, sort of no, stuff. No, no, no. We, we do say that, and then we say if you have neither, you're going to pull them out, <laughs> and we're going to run offense <laughs> until we get the shot that we want. So, you know, offensively – we have a very um, specific team. There's certain players that are really good at certain things. And so while we're getting better at other things and we're developing our players, we have to make sure we put them in situations where they can be successful. That's important, or we might not get a shot. So while I would like to run up the floor and get a really easy shot against teams that may not or get tired halfway through the second sure. quarter or you know, don't play great trans transition defense, we are going to do that. But if they don't get that shot, that wide open shot, then we're going to get the ball out. We're going to run something where we know we're going to get a good shot. And that's the goal, right, on offense for us is to get a great shot every possession. Uh, do you have any strong feelings on defense? I'm Jim Beheim and I only play 2-3 zone or I'm a man-to-man -man coach and playing zone is like pulling teeth for me. No, I don't right now. Um, I've always liked man-to-man -man defense. I think it's because of uh, how I played in college and what I learned um, both from Coach Ariyama as a player and a coach. And, and most everything, even though it's a zone, there still are man-to-man -man principles. So we, you know, I like man-to-man -man defense. I think you have to be able to play it. I think you, you have to be able to do a bunch of different things. Um, and, and for us, maybe defensively this year, the goal will be – to just keep people uncomfortable. So I don't know that I'm going to be 100% one way or the other. We're going to play around and tinker around with some things for this team in particular. Like I said, we have our challenges. We're very small. Um, sometimes we go long periods of time without scoring. So I have to be cognizant of that on the defensive end and make sure that we keep people on their toes. Um, and that may be a bunch of different things. Let's talk about your staff for a second and how you've decided to organize this. Obviously, there's been some through lines to what Vanderbilt women's basketball has been with coach early of course your husband has coached on this staff previously and look the the big thing overall is you've been hired by someone who cares deeply about this program mm -hmm. our athletic director mm -hmm. Candace Lee how did you decide to go about building this particular staff the way that you did the number one thing for me was um, having great people hmm. that was where I started so when uh, Tommy and I talked about doing this together and that was the only way we were going to do it. Um, I had not not because he's my husband, obviously. I like him a lot. I'm biased. Um, <laughs> I'm that's a good place to yeah. start with your husband. <laughs> but he's also one of the best coaches I've yeah. ever known. And that's that's how we met. 
Um, a lot of stuff that I did at UConn, I got from him. He helped my growth as a coach just as much as anyone else that's ever been in my life. And so I knew that I needed him here to be successful. Mm. He's the best coach that I know. And then we went from there and started talking about, I mean, both of us are so experienced in our field that we wanted to hire people we knew were very passionate, that had the right kind of experience that we knew for me, being a brand new head coach, and that were great people, loyal, honest, hardworking. So we went with people that we had either worked with, had coached, or knew. Um, and that's, that's really where we started. So he had worked with Ashley early. That was easy. Kevin DeMille um, was a practice player for us at UConn and then worked in our office, started our social media accounts, um, ran our in-house recruiting, worked with USA Basketball. I mean, he's like, a, he can do everything. And we knew how good of a, a post coach Ashley was and really, really well known for her recruiting prowess across the country and all the different stops that she's made. But she's also invested in Vanderbilt. Those were like our t my two top people. Thankfully, yes, they accepted. Um, and, and then when we went from there to the director of basketball operations, which is a really important role, I knew I didn't want somebody that wanted to coach. A lot of people want to coach to get in that role, and they, you know, their focus isn't on that role. It's on being on the court and trying to, you know, for sure, get that next <laughs> step in the door yes. for their career. And I, I respect that. I just knew I couldn't have it here. Right. So I needed someone that was really passionate about director of basketball operations. And Tommy had worked with Chris Brand at um, Boston College. He actually had gotten out of basketball and was on the travel side of it. We were really lucky to have him back. He's one of the best ops guys I've ever been around. Um, and the and obviously Christina Fogey was was an easy one. She played for for Tommy and was in athletic administration at St. Joe's. We just had to figure out how we were going to create roles for all of all of the people that I wanted on staff. But Dr. Lee made that really easy. And she just basically said to me, whatever you need to make this program what we all know it can be, then you have it. Um, so I feel like we have the best staff in the country. And I don't say that because they're mine. Um, every Everybody that I called, my first phone call, accepted. And yeah. that's pretty cool yeah. because they think that this is special too. And, um, and so far, you know, even the people in, in administration and um, around campus have been complimentary of our staff. And I thank them. And then I tell them not to get any ideas because they're going <laughs> to stay here with me for as that's long right. as I can keep right. them. <laughs> they're, they're needed. Right. Um, not to give away privileged information or to pull the curtain back too much, but I'm, I'm curious whether it's through the interview process or since, take us inside the room as much you can with Dr. Lee, with Candace Lee, just to give fans a sense of the passion that she has for this program. Yeah. Um, because I know it's there um, and it must have come across to you to help bring you to this place as well. For sure. Um... You know, Candace was here when uh, Tommy was an assistant coach. She wasn't the athletic director, David Williams was, but she was their senior woman administrator. Um, so I, you know, I had met her and known her and, and Tommy always had great things to say about her. And, and we loved, I loved that she played basketball. I think that's such a cool um, opportunity for basketball coaches and players to have an administrator that played your sport at your school mm. is amazing. I mean, that, in, that level of investment doesn't happen everywhere. Um, and, and we can't do what we need to do as coaches without leadership that's fully invested in us and that will fight for us day in and day out, both at, in athletics and overall at the school. I know that. I've seen it both ways. So I knew coming into my first head coaching job that I could not – be unsure of that mm. um and and candace i mean there isn't anyone more invested um in vanderbilt athletics or in the experience of a student athlete than she is and not only is she extremely smart and diligent and disciplined um about that but she's so much fun to be around yeah and she's and and she's just one of the best people you walk she walks in the room and everyone starts smiling i mean she's she's one of our greatest recruiting tools because she just makes an impact right away just with her energy yeah that's the kind of people that turn things around that's the kind of people that you need yeah so that was easy my first conversation with candace i was like uh <laughs> I, I would have been really disappointed if she didn't offer, you know, I, it wasn't yeah. like, well, should I take it or shouldn't I? As soon as I talked to her, I was like, I want to work for her. Yeah. I want to be on her team because I know we're going somewhere special. And the fact that she played basketball here is just icing on the cake. Um, it just makes us want to want to really do our very, very best for her. 
Last question for you, and this has nothing to do with basketball. How come there's six pumpkins sitting on a cart outside your office? (laughs) It's November 4th. It is. It's, I mean, we're like five days in the rear view here for pumpkin season. Starbucks has flipped over to red holiday stuff too, so. Yeah, they have, but pumpkin (laughs) season, it lasts like six months at Starbucks. And people still get mad about it. (laughs) Um, We had a pumpkin carving party on Halloween because we had practice that morning. So a lot of our players had never carved a pumpkin. Goodness. Can you believe that? Yeah, so we did that and uh they were not they were okay. <laughs> they ranged from, you know, pretty impressive like our director of creative content uh Leah Desserholt had like this whole star V and skeleton thing that was really cool to some that were like, "You know what? Let's just leave the pumpkins out here and if anyone would like to try again, you can try again." There you go. How was yours? <laughs> Um, well, I let my daughter pick our okay. stencil, and uh-huh. yeah, it just looked like I cut a big hole in the front, and <laughs> it was very detailed, and uh, I, I'm not delicate. <laughs> I would be right there with you. In fact, I suspect your daughter probably carved a better pumpkin than I would have. Yeah, well, she she left because it was taking too long, <laughs> and then she came back over, and she, everyone got a kick out of this. She said, Mama, that's terrible. <laughs> so, I bet your players enjoyed that for sure they if did. they were and around to We hear. encourage honesty in our house, <laughs> so she was being honest. Uh, uh, Coach, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck. Uh, Tip-off is November 9th, 7 p.m. here at Memorial against Gardner-Webb. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, and we look forward to seeing everybody here. Joined by Scotty Pippen Jr., uh, just ready to get out there and play and, and play against somebody else finally? Yeah, you know, definitely. You know, it's been a long summer and long last year, you know, with, uh, with COVID and everything, you know, we're ready to get back, you know, get some fans in here. Yeah, how much fun will it be to see people in these stands again? You know, it's a lot of fun. You know, a lot of fans, you know, they've came out to us. You know, I think it's a different feel this year. You know, a lot of people are excited to come. You know, fans have said, you know, they've been waiting for a year. So, you know, we're all excited to have them back in. How has this group come together? Um, I think this year, you know, I think it's another year under our belt. You know, me and Jordan, the older guys, I think this year we're a lot more competitive, you know. Um, I think this year was the easiest learning curve because we had older guys to talk to younger guys. So I think this year we're more prepared for just the year itself. Does it feel like you go from being one of the young guys to being one of the old guys pretty fast? Yeah, definitely. The time flew by. I feel like I'm still like a freshman. But, you know, it's about to be my third year, so it's crazy. What can you tell these young guys about playing ball at this level? I'm just giving everything you got, you know. You know, some of these guys, you know, don't worry about minutes, don't worry about points, just go out there and play hard, you know. Stuff will turn for you. And I just try to, you know, pre-stab on everyone, you know. I came here my freshman year. I didn't think I was going to start, and I ended up, you know, starting my last two years and, you know, having success I never thought I would have. So just keep working. You've gotten a lot of preseason recognition. Did Does that put a little pressure on you? Um, it puts a little pressure on me, but it, more motivation just to go out there and just reach those goals and all those expectations that people have on me. But, you know, I like it. It, you know, it puts another chip on my shoulder just knowing people are, you know, trying to go at me for it. And we think back to last season, so many close games. How, how does this team kind of take a step forward and, and start winning those? You know, I think a lot of those close games last year were just based on, you know, us being young and not being mature. And, you know, every game we lost last year, every game we won, we, we learned from. So I think, you know, this year we're more prepared. You know, we have some older guys, you know, guys that can be more prepared for those late-game situations and hopefully we'll win those this year. You know, Coach just talked about playing you off the ball more. Do you, do you like that? And how have you seen that happen uh, in these practices and scrimmages? Yeah, I, I think I can do both, you know, play off the ball, on the ball. I think last year um, it was hard for me to play off the ball because we didn't have someone that could really handle the ball as well. But, you know, this year we have Rodney, we have Trey stepped up his handle and Ty back. So I think, you know, it gives me another opportunity just to get more shots. I think I didn't really get that many open threes last year. And as far as just, you know, bringing my efficiency up and just my workload down. So I think just being able to shoot, you know, just adds another value to my game. Well, what's been the most challenging part about learning to play defense in Coach Stackhouse's system? Um, this last year, we've actually changed our defense like pretty much completely, and I think you know that's another reason I, I'm you know confident about this year. Just the way we've changed our defense, I think it's going to help us a lot, and it, I think it's been really helpful for us. You know, in our last two scrimmages, we can see that it's paying off. You know, going against other teams, and I think the last two games we've won basically off defense, and I think that's that's what it is. Visiting with Scotty Pippen Jr., you know, when you go back to the summer and your decision to come back, did that kind of take a weight off you when that decision was done? Yeah, you know, I st- you know, coming back to school, I still feel like, you know, I have to start over now, you know. Um, it, was, you know it was a tough decision, but, you know, coming back, I'm excited. I think, you know, I made the right decision. And I'm just here to prove that, you know. I think the reason I was counted out last year is because I didn't win. 
Um, so that's just my goal this year, to come back and win. And, you know, the personal the personal accolades and all that stuff is cool, you know. I got that last year. I'm getting there preseason. But I'd rather have winning than be in the tournament. How much did it help this team to go to the SEC tournament and win that game and really play well against Florida there? I think it's a huge motivational booster, you know, just winning, you know, finishing off the year strong, you know. I think we did that our last two years, but I think it all comes down to just capitalizing off that beginning of this year. I've been watching you knock down these jumpers out here. How much work has gone into to really, you know, solidifying that shot? Oh uh, yeah, you know, this whole summer, you know, preseason, I've been, you know, just working on my game. You know, just going through that whole draft process, just working on my game. And I think, you know, I brought my skill to a whole another level. As far as just, you know, I'm pretty much more prepared, you know, for how teams are going to guard me because this is my third year. When you went through the NBA evaluation process, were there very clear things that the people told you about that that would help you? Um, it's not so black and white. You kind of you kind of really don't know what exactly you need to work on but I think one of the main things is just you know winning and just being more efficient since I was on a losing team it kind of looks like I was just, you know just getting points on a losing team but I'm here to prove that we're not a losing team because you know we did we, we competed against the best teams in the country but you know through that process you know I, the most thing I, the biggest thing I learned was this work ethic and just how to approach the game every day like a professional and I think I'm carrying that on now it's a fun group good chemistry with these guys I think, yeah, this, this is the most fun we've had since we've been here. You know, last year, you know, it wasn't as fun because of COVID, so we, we were kind of separated. But I think, you know, this year, you know, we're back together. We're back hanging out. You know, I think, you know, it's a good group of guys. Yeah, how much has it helped just to have things feel a little bit more normal than, than certainly last year when, when nothing felt like it was normal? Yeah, I think last year it, it was tough because even the freshmen, they didn't really get a good, you know, college feel. I think, you know, only three guys on our team, our three returners have, like, a really good college feel coming back. And plus our transfer, so I think, you know, starting this season is going to be a little bit of an adjustment. It's getting used to fans and everything, but I think we're ready for it. Ready to go to Hawaii a little bit later on in the season? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, it's a fun trip, you know, get away from school a little bit, get away from everything, all the distractions, and, you know, get the job done and hang out in Hawaii. Sounds like a good plan. Scotty, thanks a lot for the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate you. Big thanks to Coach Ralph again. Basketball off and running next week. So excited for these programs. The ninth for women's basketball, the 10th for men's basketball. Uh, Kev, there was, as we're recording this today, uh, some information released on uh, attendance procedures as it relates to COVID-19. Yeah, that's right, Andrew. Uh, for fans 12 or older, you need to either have proof of vaccination or you need to have a negative test within 72 hours. Fans 11 and younger don't have that requirement, but keep that in mind if you're coming to the games. And also go to the website, viewcommodores.com. With the construction and things going on around Memorial Gym, some of the gate numbers and what some of the entrances are called, some of that's been tweaked a little bit. So just uh, have that in mind when you come to the games. Uh, and I will underscore this. As far as masks are concerned and face coverings are concerned, there is no uh, set public policy just yet. I believe the release basically states that those procedures will be announced uh, as we go forward. Right. So, again, yeah. it's it's nothing clear cut at the moment. Please pay attention to VUCommodores.com uh, because as you come to ball games, you will get the correct direction that you need as we get closer to the dates so those are the important pieces of information and i would also say um, when you come to memorial gym you are going to see some fantastic upgrades Mm -hmm. i recognize as always that i don't know what it looked like otherwise the only memorial gym that i know is one under construction (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but i've watched them do the construction behind the scenes for the better part of the past handful of months Uh, And they're really, really upgrading this place, um, the very early phases of Vandy United. So that's great. Yeah, it's going to be cool when it's all done. Uh, some some video board upgrades and things like that inside. I've seen this building in various forms over the course of – 25 years or so. I know what the uh, pool from the 1940s looks <laughs> right. like because uh, that's our office. <laughs> right. Um, it, it's been neat to see some of the things behind the scenes that fans won't necessarily see, the locker rooms and all that is being built as we speak, hopefully be done by maybe the first of the year. They've, they've finished enough to where teams have locker rooms to be in for games, but it's not in its final form necessarily. But there was a time there when you, you went down the hallway and there wasn't any hallway. I mean, it was just wide open to where everything was torn out they gutted all the uh the insides where the locker rooms and meeting areas were and they they're redoing all of it it's going to be beautiful when it's done uh construction continues though and uh you you sort of suffer through the short term to get to the uh the long-term gain in this case and uh, when it's all done 
fans and players and coaches and everybody can have a really nice place to be the number of times that we've come to the office kev and it's like are we allowed to be here <laughs> do, do i they, need a hard hat that's right is there a hard hat stand before we entrance please take your medium xl large headset yeah, or yeah, whatever it is before yeah, you go through <laughs> it would be extra large for me <laughs> yeah. do you have a size uh, eight uh, helmet? Yeah. Uh, but it's been fun to watch that construction process come together and it, it will look fantastic uh, as we move forward throughout the course of the season. Uh, last thing that I'll add, if folks missed it, we had Chris, uh, Chris Griffin from the Black and Gold Club on the Commodore Hour just a couple of days ago. Um, they just launched the Black and Gold Network, Black and Gold Club Network, which is designed to connect current student-athletes and former student-athletes and kind of bring together the generations, both from a pride standpoint and both from a very pure um, career development standpoint. There mm -hmm. are wonderful, wonderful former student athletes out there. I talk about it all of the time. Norman Jordan has been just wildly successful in his financial career. Uh, he is an example of someone that has played football here and gone on to do tremendous things in a professional sense. Uh, so they're really pushing that forward. That is something that's very important to Candace Lee. Uh, and Chris Griffin is spearheading that as the director of the Black and Gold Club. So if you missed that, uh, it's worth listening to hear what they're up to there to make sure that we can kind of tether together the generations of Vanderbilt student athletes. It's a great idea. There, there's so many uh, student athletes that have gone on to do lots and lots of cool things. I've gotten had the pleasure of knowing quite a few of them over the years. And I also enjoyed getting to know Chris. I spent some time with him when we were in Omaha uh, at the College World Series just talking to him about, you know, what else going on with his group. Group and he's done a terrific job. We've had on our Commodore Hour shows last season, we had a, a guest almost every week uh, that, that had some sort of tie to Vanderbilt as a, a former student athlete or somebody who had been involved in athletics here. And it, it was cool to get to know a lot of those people. So Chris is doing some great stuff. You know, we've been able to do a handful of good pieces of content. If people have missed it, then I'll just plug it for the sake of it, whether it's Chris Griffin, uh, whether it's Norm Jordan talking to Wit Taylor from last week. Yeah, that was of, great. You know, uh, making their comparison points to what they went through when they first got here to what Clark is going through as a head coach now. Very similar moments in time, both in the late 70s and right now. So there's some good historical context, and you can scroll uh, right on back. We've had a ton of good conversations with other folks across Vanderbilt Athletics. So we will talk to you next week, Monday night, the Commodore Hour, and then Tuesday and Wednesday for basketball and then football once again on Saturday against Kentucky next Saturday. It's a 6 p.m. kickoff. Our coverage across the Vanderbilt Sports Network starts at 4.30. And don't forget to listen to Kevin on the Vanderbilt Sports Network for men's basketball. Uh, you'll see my face floating around for men's and women's basketball on the SEC Network Plus. Uh, for Kevin, I'm Andrew. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.